You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad and last year we had the opportunity to meet the uh, Irish Ambassador Jim Kelly and he provided us with a, a brief update on what he had achieved since he had arrived and what he was hoping to look at doing in 2017. Well, sitting on the fence and looking in, all I can say is based on watching his Twitter feed and his other activities and the news that have got, has gone out at various points, Jim has hard, all, he must have worn out God knows how many pairs of shoes and shoes rubber and because um, he has been over back across the country, over and back to Ireland between ministerial visits and all sorts of other activities. Ambassador Kelly, thanks a million for agreeing to have a chat and telling us how your year has been. Good afternoon, Austin. Good to talk to you again and uh, Happy New Year to you and to, to all your listeners as well. As I say, you've hardly had chance to draw your breath. Yeah, you put you put it well, Austin. I've worn out a fair bit of screw leather, all right, and uh, and uh, and so forth over the over the past twelve months. No, I mean it's been uh, we're here about eighteen months now, so twenty seventeen was our first full year here, and I'd say I would describe it as a, a packed, intense, enjoyable, and we felt successful year, and we 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 thought indeed something of a you know a, a sort of a, a landmark year in Ireland Canada relations in many ways that I'll be happy to happy to go into now. Early on in the year, as you were heading in, this time last year, you would have been looking forward to the St. Patrick's, your first St. Patrick's experience in Canada. Yes, it was, uh, it must say, it was really interesting and an enjoyable experience, Austin. My first experience, really, of a St. Patrick's Day uh, in a bilateral embassy as well for a very long time. And, of course, it's a, a very different thing from, from being at the UN or the EU, where I was based previously. And I think in Canada, it's extra special again because we have such a, such a, a large, vibrant, uh, diverse and dispersed community across the country. So there's so many different types of events to, to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And I think it's a real day on the calendar here in Canada for, for Canadians more broadly, such as the, the impact that uh, and influence that Irish uh, Canadians have on the country. Now, prior to St. Patrick's Day, I think you may even have had a ministerial visit earlier in the year than that, as far as I recall. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day in the period was kind of the, the trigger, if you like. So we had uh, we had Minister Simon Coveney and Minister Owen Murphy for two separate visits around St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Simon Coveney in Toronto and Ottawa. Uh, he did uh, various engagements. I won't go through them all, but uh, obviously the Ireland Fund lunch, uh, various global greenings, and he covered the parade in Ottawa and met with Catherine McKenna, the Environment Minister, of course, a, a great Irish Canadian herself. Uh, Owen Murphy then... Uh, was in Toronto and Montreal, and I suppose most memorably, uh, we had the honour and privilege of walking uh, with Owen Murphy uh, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Montreal, and that was a that was a great occasion. But maybe just to, to give a little sort of context to the year as a whole, Austin. I mean, when I think when I spoke to you last January, one of the one of the things I said was that I had been sent here uh, from our headquarters with a very clear set of writing instructions, if you like, to try to inject some new momentum and dynamism uh, into the Ireland-Canada relationship from the, from the side of the, uh, of the embassy. Um, as you know, we've had a really strong foundation, and we're very blessed to have very strong historic foundations for the relationship with almost one in seven Canadians claiming Irish heritage. And we've seen you know, very steady growth in bilateral trade and investment over recent years, um, supported by 
really strong work by the state agencies as well as chambers of commerce and business associations on both sides of the Atlantic as well. But the perception really uh, at home to an extent would have been that the importance of the relationship and the extent of its potential hadn't really been, been mirrored in recent times by the level of political and diplomatic engagement between the, the two countries. Uh, in the year before I came out, for example, there weren't any Irish government ministers here or indeed any Canadian ministers in Ireland and there hadn't been a, a trade mission to Canada uh, from Ireland, a government trade mission for, for four years and uh, I think most extraordinary of all actually uh, when you reflect on how close the relations are, we hadn't seen a, a Taoiseach on a working visit in Canada for, for 12 years. So I think it was felt that we had a bit of a, a gap there in terms of political and diplomatic engagement considering how deep-rooted and uh, the, the relationship was and the potential that it has. So it was my job really to try to, to quickly get beyond the history and the, the rhetoric around the, the relationship and to in a practical way move to put Canada on the, the political radar in Ireland and, and vice versa. So uh, since then, since the middle of March, as you say, around Patrick's Day, we've had eight members uh, of the Irish government in Canada, which I think is as many as in the previous four years. We've had uh, not one but two Taoiseach we've been fortunate enough to have, both Enda Kenny when he came in May, the former Taoiseach, and then our new Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, uh, who, uh, who came over in August and was in Montreal and Toronto, and again, very memorably marched uh, in the Montreal Pride Parade uh, with, uh, with Prime Minister Trudeau. And in between the, the two Taoiseach visits, we had Prime Minister Trudeau in, in Ireland himself as well, which I think was a, a really important catalyst for the uh, for the relationship at the business, trade and economic level, as well as at the, in terms of people-to-people -people and political contacts. And then, as I say, we've had Simon Coveney and Owen Murphy in March. We had a, a trade mission from uh, Minister Pat Breen, who was the jobs minister at the time in Montreal in April on foot of which we've seen uh, new developments in terms of air links, which I'll, I'll come back to later. Uh, we had an Enterprise Ireland-led uh, trade mission in June, which uh, I know you were involved in yourself as well, uh, with Minister Sean Canney leading that in Toronto and in Ottawa. Uh, we had Minister Patrick O'Donovan uh, here in October, uh, as well in Ottawa for, for uh, meetings with uh, his opposite numbers and dealing with public procurement and e-government. And then finally, uh, in 2017, we had Defence Minister Paul Kyo in Vancouver for the UN uh, Defence Ministers, uh, Defence Ministerial Meeting, peacekeeping meeting. And while he was there, we had uh, very good engagement with the, with the Irish community in Vancouver. So that's a bit of a mouthful, I know, Austin, but it probably gives a sense of the kind of you like the new political dynamism that there is within the relationship and which we have seen I think a lot of very practical spin-offs and benefits from uh, on the community and trade and business side as well which I can go into into more detail on. To say like because that's often the big question you know you're going to get a politician coming out walking in a parade and all the rest of it but the man mm. on the street doesn't see the number of closed door meetings that result from it or the m number of business connections and contracts that flow from it. I mean, you're right, Austin. That's really what what this is all about. It's not about it's not about people walking in parades. There's a there's a public diplomacy side to these things and a representative side to it as well for politicians. But getting politicians on planes and on the ground uh, out to Canada for us and for our colleagues in the state agencies and in chambers of commerce and business associations, what it means is opening doors to building those connections. 
options to developing opportunities that agencies and companies may have been working on and to sealing the deal in many cases. So there are a myriad of company meetings, chamber meetings and so forth uh, that go with these visits, contacts at political level, business level, and you know, engaging senior politicians acts as an enormous catalyst for taking, uh, for taking those kind of links to a new level and bringing, bringing uh, business deals and so forth over the line. But you don't do it in a vacuum. There needs to be, uh, there needs to be, if you like, the context within which to operate. And I think we're at a very particular moment in Ireland-Canada relations, um, which is in, in part due to the kind of overall political context in the world, the kind of the, the big change, if you like, in international relations, the, the pushback in some quarters against uh, globalization and the rise of populism, which I think has left both Canada and Ireland countries that take a very outward-looking view in the world, countries that are interested in developing talent and that are open to the world. Uh, it has them looking at each other, I think, much more than they might have done in the past as potential partners, particularly as Canada deals with the turbulence in its political and economic uh, trade, particular relationship with the United States, and Ireland deals with the, with the consequences and fallout of Brexit, uh, as it has been doing over, over a period now and will continue to do for, for a couple of years ahead. Now, there have been some major deals done in the last year in both directions. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I won't go into to highlighting really like particular companies, but, but we have seen, and I mean, anyone who's read some of the media pieces on it uh, in recent weeks will have if you like, a sort of a catalogue of the various Canadian companies that have moved into Ireland over the past uh, over the past year in a whole area of se- different sectors. You know, we've seen um, uh, to mention maybe just one or two. Shopify, I suppose, and PressReader are particularly have uh, been particularly heavily highlighted. But uh, but you now one could go through a whole list of companies across different sectors. Austin, as I say, I think a lot of this comes back to what Ireland has to offer to Canada uh, as a location for for investment. Um, you know, we're staying in the European Union single market and the Eurozone uh, and for Canadian business looking at Europe those are factors which are really important when they consider where to relocate new investment, new jobs and in some cases as well where to adjust their existing investments um, within the European Union as a result of Brexit. So we're seeing we're seeing the benefits of uh, the very strong offering we have and the commonalities too with Canada the shared common law system um, obviously English language environment as well uh, um, which for most most uh, of Canada is obviously a big advantage uh, when they look at the European Union. Um, and, you know, I think a very similar way of doing business and a certain cultural compatibility that makes Ireland a very uh, attractive location uh, for Canadian business when they consider where to locate in Europe and in the European Union. And, of course, CETA um, finally got to a point, where I think, where the I's were crossed, the, t- the T's were crossed, the I's dotted and signatures uh, put on paper? Yes, it did in September. We, uh, we were up in Montreal for the, if you like, for the formal um, ceremony to mark the uh, to mark the provisional implementation of CETA after after all of those years of hard work on on all sides uh, with Minister Trade Minister Champagne who did the honours on that day, and there were very many European Union uh, representatives, ambassadors, and so forth there. And I think that was a very important day. I mean, this is a process that went back eight years and marked a real, if you like, change in the Canadian approach to international trade looking beyond, in a big way, looking beyond the U.S. as it is also looking beyond uh, into the Pacific now as well with with uh, with the TPP. And I think it shows that Canada is really 
much more you know, engaged and interested, if you like, in doing business with other parts of the world. And for us in Europe, I think there are, there are huge opportunities there. And we're seeing that, as I've spoken about the trade missions, we're seeing those doors open uh, and the opportunities uh, come on board for Irish companies uh, coming and diversifying into Canada. And then also, as I said, for Canadian investment uh, coming into Ireland as well. One of the big partnerships that I know um, happened during this year and has been very successful is in the... Um movie business and in animation. Yes, that's right. And it's, it's, it's interesting that as we talk today, um, the Academy Award nominations came out and we've seen very great Irish success in the, in the, in the nominations with, I think, five uh, Irish uh, movies or artists nominated. And one, of course, is, uh, is The Breadwinner, uh, the animated co-production uh, involving uh, Cartoon Saloon and aircraft pictures here, a very strong Irish-Canadian collaboration. This is something that we've really seen grow in recent years, and indeed I was in, I was in Vancouver um, uh, for an engagement in November, a Mediacom dinner which announced a, a further uh, media tie-up between Ireland and Canada, where a media fund worth about 600,000. And I think again, what we're seeing, and when I talk to to you know Irish and Canadian filmmakers and to people from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland as well, who were there in RTE, what you hear is a story of of compatibility uh, and ability to work together, uh, and just uh, if, you, if you like, I think on both sides an identification with the approach that's taken in the industry and in the creative arts that makes Ireland and and Canada very strong partners in this area and I think this is something that we'll see go from strength to strength in the coming years as well which is obviously a very encouraging thing. And I think the big winner in 2017 would have been tourism. Absolutely, tourism numbers are up, uh, are up very significantly uh, over the past five or six years now. It's a great credit to the work that our Tourism Ireland colleagues uh, here in Canada, Dana Walsh and her team in Toronto and Alison Metcalf and her team in New York as well as their Niall Gibbons and the headquarters people in Ireland uh, have really been very smart and strategic about targeting um, you know, opportunities in Canada and of course a key element in all of this as well and I adverted to it briefly earlier on there has been the, the rapid growth in flight connections over recent years and the good news is that we're going to see more of that in 2018 with Air Canada adding, uh, adding seasonal uh, daily flights between uh, Toronto and Shannon and between Montreal and Dublin so I think that will open up further opportunities both in the tourism and the business side by adding if you like the number of the number of seats on those routes between Canada and Ireland so I think the outlook is very strong uh, in future years as well for continued growth in this area I think we're only really beginning to tap into the potential that's there. I know a bane of contention for a long time in certain areas was that the IDA were located in New York but they've made a decision to put an office in Toronto. Yes, they have. And I mean, this is something that we're obviously really delighted about. It's something that I think it's no secret that in the embassy and among the community that we've been hoping to see happen. Uh, as you say, there are reasons why it hasn't been done that way up to now. I think the IDA has, you know, reflected in terms of looking at the, the opportunities that there are in Canada. But I think, again, coming back to, you know, increasing the business and political engagement, this is an area where you see the benefits of that closer engagement that it perfectly 
percolates through the system and people begin to look at markets in a in a different way. So, you know, for the IDA, the number of opportunities that there have been uh, for company contacts with Taoiseach and senior ministers in Canada in recent years, obviously, particularly in the last year or so, has grown enormously. And off the back of that then, further opportunities accrue. And I think that they had reached the point there when uh, when the potential uh, was such that putting, putting a person on the ground in Toronto was something that they decided that they, they wanted to do. And it's something also that fits within um, the government's initiative in terms of the global footprint, which Tisha Cleo announced when he was in Toronto in August, uh, that has seen the state agencies increase their resources in Canada, which means extra people for the ID or for Enterprise Ireland. It also means, as you say, the IDA opening in Toronto. And it will mean, too, we're delighted to see uh, the first opening of a new diplomatic mission in Canada since the embassy was opened in 1939 in the shape of the, the new consulate in Vancouver, which will be open in 2018 and which we're, we're very excited about. That probably will, would relieve you a little bit so you won't have to use as much shoe leather. <laughs> well, in the fullness of time, it will, Austin. Um, <laughs> there is, of course, it's, uh, say it's something we're really delighted about. And when we, when we were in uh, Vancouver with uh, Minister Paul Kyo in November, uh, we had a community reception to sort of formally mark the moment uh, of the announcement uh, on the ground. It had been announced a little earlier, but it was our first visit there uh, since the announcement in Dublin. And it was really nice to see and heartening to see the excitement and enthusiasm among the community about the opportunities that having a, a, a base there, a consulate there, which would also be, a, if you like, a focal point for the Irish community across all areas in Vancouver. Uh, it's something that they are clearly very much looking forward to, something they've wanted to see there for many years and something that we're really enthused by. In the short term, there'll be a, quite a, lot, a big job to be done in terms of setting up a new mission. There's a great deal that goes with all of that and we'll be playing a big part in that here in Ottawa and we'll be also, you know, drawing very heavily on our friends in the community in Vancouver in that regard and we'll have some support from HQ too. But when it's up and running uh, and fully operational, which we hope will, uh, will be sometime in 2018, I think it's going to be a huge asset um, to the Team Ireland efforts and a huge support, I hope, to, uh, to the community and representing their interests in, uh, in Vancouver and in British Columbia. So, Ambassador, before you came, you uh, got to spend some time <coughs> as Ireland celebrated its 100th uh, commemorative year and you arrived into 2017 where Canada was celebrating 150 years since Confederation. And the Irish community across the country got greatly involved in that. That's right. And I think I'd have to say, looking back on 2017, Austin, I think it was really one of the highlights of the year for all of us uh, in the embassy and in, in the community. We had uh, two big events to, to mark uh, the Canada 150. Um, one was the participation in the Ottawa Welcomes the World um, Festival that ran through the year where the city uh, provided the use of a pavilion at Lansdowne Park uh, for the community to have, a, if you like, a sort of a national day um, according to whatever the community wished. So some countries had focused very heavily on one particular art form or other. But for us, we tried to do it very much as a broader community event reflecting the huge influence and extent of the Irish diaspora here in Canada. And I really thought it was quite an extraordinary um, quite an extraordinary 
uh, event on the whole day from 10 o'clock in the morning till 10 at night. We had uh, we had cultural performances of various sorts, music, dance, uh, literature. It was Bloom's Day, of course, as well. Theatre performances. We had GA hurling, um, tutorials, if you like, outside. Um, we had so many uh, so many different things. We had storytellers, um, film and crafts as well. Uh, Tourism Ireland were present. So it was a really a, a day-long eclectic program, if you like, of Irish music, dance, and theatre and arts involving all parts of uh, the community and communities throughout the country as well, including a wonderful performance by an orchestra uh, from Montreal. So I have to say I got so much feedback, uh, not just from Irish people, but from others who had attended, um, people here in Ottawa of all communities, um, who were really very moved by the performances that were put on on the day. Uh, and I know having attended about eight or nine of the Ottawa Welcome to the World performances, all of which were very interesting throughout the year, I think um, I can probably be excused by Zaparta saying that ours, I think, was the most diverse and extraordinary in many ways. And we had over 5,000 people through the pavilion on that day, Austin, to see and sample Irish culture uh, and Ireland for themselves. And I think it was a, a huge success and a massive credit the enormous effort put in all across the community, not just in Ottawa and Montreal and Toronto, but we had people from Winnipeg uh, and from the Atlantic provinces too. So it was a huge showcase, a massive successful showcase uh, for the Irish community and the influence of the Irish diaspora in Canada and something that we were certainly very proud of here in the embassy and that the community should be very proud of as well. And then the second event that we had was a, an exhibition that we had uh, that we had produced working with historians, Irish historians here in Canada on the Irish diaspora in Canada, which uh, was staged at a pavilion in the Byward Market in August for two weeks, and which was also extremely successful in terms of the visitor numbers. And the good thing about that particular uh, exhibition as well, Austin, is that it was designed in such a way that it can be used now uh, by Irish communities across the country um, to stage alongside festivals and so forth. And it's already, uh, it's already, I think, been to uh, to Montreal and it's going to Calgary and will go to other places too. So that's if you like a, a sort of a legacy project as well um, in terms of Ireland's engagement in the the 2017 uh, celebrations. But it was a wonderful year uh, for Canada in so many ways uh, in a commemorative sense. And uh, I think that the the contribution. Um, that the Irish community here made through events such as those um, really marked the influence and stamp of the Irish diaspora on, on modern Canada and its development over the years. So Ambassador, you mentioned uh, the Manitoba and some maritime contribution in Montreal to the Ottawa event, but I know you have managed to travel coast to coast and you would have, you'd, you would have seen the diversity of Canada but also the diversity of the Irish influence in Canada. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 an extraordinary thing, and at the risk of being of it being a truism, but the, the the scale of this country never fails to never fails to astonish. The sheer scale, and then, as you say, the diversity of communities around the country. And I feel that even though I I, I calculated that between um, between ministerial visits and my own travel across Canada, I've been out of Ottawa for almost 20 weeks of 2017, which is a considerable chunk. But even at that, you only feel that you've you've scratched the surface. I, I've, I think I've had maybe a dozen trips each to Toronto and Montreal. I've been in Newfoundland twice, an extraordinary place of course with such a, an amazing uh, Irish story, an amazing Irish heritage, um, the only part of the country with its own Irish place name if you like, and indeed the only uh, the, you know, according to many people, the only place outside Ireland with a genuine Irish uh, 
translation of its of its place name, and you know an accent that will be familiar to uh, to many people at home when they visit there. Uh, I've been to Nova Scotia and to Cape Breton, another extraordinary part of the country with a huge Irish and Scottish influence. Um, I've been to Vancouver a couple of times. I've been to Calgary, Edmonton, all of them with uh, with very strong Irish communities as well. So I've had the chance to get out and about to visit communities, to engage with them, with their events and their priorities, and to see the fantastic work that's being done there. And as I come back to what I said at the beginning, Austin, that we are really blessed uh, in this country um, you know, to have such a strong uh, foundation of Irish-Canadian heritage and so many people who are proud to be Irish and proud to represent uh, that heritage and what it means in what they do, whether it's in art or sport or in their daily lives, um, and keeping our, our culture and our heritage alive here in Canada. It's something um, that's a great privilege for me to be able to, uh, to be part of all that uh, in a small way as the ambassador here. You mentioned sport and Irish games, uh, hurling, football are very strong and the influence of the modern immigrant in keeping those traditions alive is very strong. It, it, it certainly is, and I mean that's something that I've had the chance to to get engaged in. I think I, I told you when we first spoke that I'm a, a huge sports fan and a huge GAA fan myself, so it's something that I'm very naturally drawn to. But I think it's very striking when you look at the younger Irish diaspora in Canada and in the US and Australia and elsewhere, how important uh, the GAA is to their engagement with Ireland and their retention, if you like, of their links back to the country. Um, and the GAA is much more, of course, than a than just a sporting organisation, it's a social organisation that is organised at parish level in Ireland and, and takes the same communitarian approach um, to its engagement uh, in, in countries such as Canada. So I've had the, the privilege to go to a number of the uh, a number of GA championships here in Canada in Toronto and, and we had the Eastern Canadian Championships here in Ottawa. I've met uh, with the folks in the clubs in Calgary and Vancouver uh, and elsewhere as well. And I think what the GAA does here is quite extraordinary and it's grown so hugely in recent years as well. Um, you have a traditional base of some of the older clubs that were founded uh, in Ottawa and Toronto and Vancouver in the 1970s and then new clubs now appearing all the time, additional clubs in Vancouver and Toronto, um, new clubs in, in Prince Edward Island um, and you know the rejuvenation of Gaelic games in places like Halifax as well and it's a wonderful thing to see. Um, it's something I think that we should be very proud of and we should try to cultivate and as I say the GA in turn is always there for the community and has shown that in so many ways. Uh, I've seen it myself at first hand in my time here and helping people in times of trouble in the community and in supporting each other and it really is an extraordinary sporting organisation in terms of the ethos that it has. We see it in Ireland and we see it just as much here in Canada. On the academic front, the Ireland Canada University Foundation continued to uh, support scholarships which bring Canadians to Ireland and uh, Irish to Canada and I know it's that time of the year when it's very active. Yes, that's right. It is indeed. And, and, and in my travels, and as well as here in Ottawa, I've had the chance to meet with the uh, to meet with the scholars who come under the ICUS scholarships. And I, I think the ICUS scholarships play a really valuable role that you can only see when you visit these these cities in Halifax and Montreal, Toronto, and so forth. And you see the work they do on the ground, not just you know in Irish study centres uh, in universities like uh, St Mike's and uh, St Mary's in in, in Halifax and in Concordia uh, and here in Ottawa, um, but also they work 
they do with the Irish community and reaching out to the community more generally. So you will see, in addition to the classes that uh, that these young Irish uh, postgrads and professors give, that they will also give classes to seniors groups and encourage, if you like, learning in the community as well and indeed in schools too. And I think that's a fantastic thing. I mean, you're contributing not only to, if you like, the, the, the role that you're given in a particular university, but out to the wider community as well. And again, you know, if you like spreading the word about our language, um, which has undergone such a strong revival in Ireland in recent years, which is wonderful to see too. And of course, this week is uh, is special trust in Adunta, and I think you'll have seen a lot of tweeting, and you're probably tweeting yourself uh, this week. Uh, it's a particular week designated within Blaine Quelga Galvile Octag. This year is a, a special year for the Irish language, and also for for celebrating the Irish language abroad as a key part of our our heritage. So uh, just to encourage anyone who's listening and hears this this week as well to, if you've never tweeted an Irish, go ahead and give it a go. You'll see it all out there under under Trasnodonta on the hashtag. And um, and uh, don't be afraid to uh, to give it a try. And one I should say just before I finish on this that one of the one of the highlights of 2017 for me as well, Austin, was to visit uh, the Gaelic in Tamworth, um, the only uh, Gaelic outside of Ireland, um, which has been established for for more than a decade now. And I was there for the Aructus competition. Um, in Tamworth in June, along with Anne and our two girls, and we had a we had a wonderful day. And again, it's wonderful to see the great work that Arlton and colleagues down there are doing in not only keeping the language alive, but in seeing the language flourish um, with the new generation of younger Canadians, some of whom have close Irish links, some of whom don't have any Irish links uh, with Irish dancing and music and so forth. And that's really marvellous to see the commitment that people have to that. Well, we've talked a lot, Ambassador, about the interaction primarily from the Ireland to the Canadian side. I know you were tracing across the Atlantic regularly back to Ireland as um, prime ministerial, ministerial visits and other events were happening because, as you say, and we said earlier on, it's very much a two-way street. Yeah, it really is a two-way street, and it's it's been important to us to see uh, both sides of it fill out, if you like, as well, Austin. So obviously, Prime Minister Trudeau's visit was the particular highlight of uh, of the year in that regard, and I think it was it was very striking to see the wonderful reception that he had in Dublin. He met, of course, with the Taoiseach and and with Uthorn Heron, uh, and had a number of uh, had a number of other, if you like business-related meetings while he was there, and he went to visit the Epic Museum, the, uh, the Museum of Irish uh, Immigration uh, on the Keys, on Custom House Key, uh, where indeed the researchers had, the assiduous researchers there had discovered a direct link, a family link to West Cork for him, so we're hoping he may he may come back to explore that himself. But it, it was great to see how well-received he was, the Irish people. The You know, he's obviously a very well-known personality worldwide, but the, the positive view that there was of Canada and the Ireland relationship and uh, that's, obviously, that's something that that only bolsters what we're trying to do here. And we've had, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have really strong key partners on the Canadian side uh, in in political life here. In particular, uh, Minister Catherine McKenna and Minister James O'Regan, who are so strongly uh, committed to their own Irish heritage as well, and have been great boosters, if you like, for the relationship. And we really appreciate the the support that we receive from the, from them. And then the Ireland Canada Parliamentary Friendship Group, um, which is led now by James. 
James Maloney um, from Etobicoke in Toronto, another uh, himself married into the Irish community, married to, to Deirdre Brett, and a really strong and committed supporter of the Ireland-Canada relationship. And he's been such a such a great uh, help to us in the embassy and so many of our, our projects over the, the past year. And it's a relationship that we look forward to, to continuing, uh, you know, to our mutual benefit in Ireland and Canada over the over the coming year. I think it's when you say it's been to the benefit of your work at the embassy, the importance of people like that, James O'Regan, Catherine McKenna, Kenna, uh, as ministers in the government, must make your job a lot more manageable, that you have people like that that you can reach out to. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a huge help. And again, you know, as I say, we, we, this, is, this is something we don't take for granted. And it's something that isn't available to everybody. I mean, the fact that we have, I, I go back to what I said at the beginning, we are blessed to have such a strong foundation in terms of the historic friendship and relationship in Ireland and Canada as visibly expressed in the attachment which so many Irish Canadians have to their Irish heritage. Uh, and that obviously is a huge multiplier for us in terms of trying to, to strengthen the modern and contemporary relationship uh, across all areas, cultural in terms of cultural links, people-to-people -people links, and on the economic trade side and so forth. And having the support of key influencers there uh, who can help open doors and help us to put things together uh, is really an enormous, uh, an enormous advantage and one that we're really very grateful to have. You know? Now, during the downturn in Ireland, Canada was very welcoming of the Irish. I know the numbers have fallen, but there are still tremendous opportunities and many people still emigrating to Canada from Ireland. Yes, there are. I mean, it's interesting when you say the numbers have fallen a little, but not as much as people think in terms of the, the steps that we see. So it's still the case, Austin, that there's 10,000 uh, one- to two-year working visas available annually for Irish people who wish to come to Canada. And we're still seeing the majority of those taken up. So if you look at it in that sense, that's a huge injection, if you like, uh, into the community every year. And many of those people will, you know, who have a good experience in Canada will go on to look for permanent residence or reform attachments here that will lead them to the stage where this process has been going on for nine or ten years and of course many people go back but many of those who come out now already have friends or relatives here so you have a you like a knock-on effect so we see this in communities everywhere I think particularly strongly in Toronto um, where the uh, the Irish Canada Ireland Canada Immigration Centre uh, which is run by run brilliantly by Cathy Murphy is based and they're a key partner for us in helping those people to settle into Canada it's obviously a very as anyone who looks out at the snow and ice today will know, it's a, it's a very different environment from Ireland and, and sometimes it can be a little difficult for people to adjust even with the, the close relationship that there is and our colleagues in the Immigration Centre and our honorary consuls as well do wonderful work in help, helping people to settle in and to deal with their, with, their, with their issues there. In Vancouver I think it's a very particular case because we've seen so many younger people go into Vancouver and the community build up there over the years that we were really very conscious of the exposure, if you like, and how far away we are from them. It's five and a half hours flight to Vancouver from Ottawa, so, you know, it's probably the same as a flight from Dublin to Istanbul or thereabouts. So, the practical aspect of how you represent those people's interests and provide the services that they need 
uh, left us at a bit of a at a bit of a gap there. So between the work that the Immigration Centre does with its national remit to reach out to them, and hopefully the work that the consulate will be able to do when it's established, I think we'll be in a better place to service um, not only the new younger community there, but the community more broadly. During 2017, there was the second Global Irish Civic Forum, and at the first one, the Canadian representation was relatively small. But in 2017, there was very strong Canadian representation of that. Yes, unfortunately, because of the many visits, I wasn't able to. Uh, I wasn't able to be there myself. But I did speak to Cathy and a number of people who were, and we were very pleased to see um, that level of, of re-engagement. It is difficult, I know, for people to to make the trip sometimes in these situations, but their input is really very valuable. Um, to us both here and at the centre in, in Dublin, if you like, in terms of understanding uh, the needs of the community and how best we uh, how best we service uh, we service those needs as well. I mean, in terms of the overall immigrant support programme and the link with the diaspora, I mean, I've just been at home uh, for our Heads of Mission conference, and obviously that was one of the big issues there. There's a there's a very keen uh, wish to reach out to non-traditional diasporas as well and to kind of build on the success of the immigrant support program, but also a very strong continuing commitment um, to the very large diasporas in countries such as Canada. So the immigrant support program is continuing to go from strength to strength. And when I travel around the country and meet different groups, I always encourage them to look at the possibilities for support uh, for the important work that they do under the program. And, you know, the embassy is always ready to try to assist and support their efforts um, to make applications that have a that have a prospect of success. And I should add when I'm saying that it brings to mind that we have a new community and cultural attaché and office manager here. She has many hats. Uh, Laura Finley, who just arrived uh, at the tail end of the summer to replace uh, Liz Kyo, who's gone back to uh, to Ireland and gone back to Limerick now. And just to say that Laura is here on our first posting. She brings a great deal of energy and enthusiasm to it, which we're delighted to have. And she's already uh, gotten her feet wet in terms of working with groups across the country and is, is keen to, to get, do more travel and to get to know the groups and, the, and the, the community leaders directly and to work with them on making the immigrant support programs as valuable as possible to the important work that they do. I think uh, last year was you were hoping that there were one or two provinces where the exchange of Irish driving license for provincial license had not been fully agreed. Was there any progress in that area? Yes, it's something I'm very conscious. It's something actually I hear, particularly in the West, uh, where I think it's one of the, the most significant issues, a very important practical issue uh, for Irish people coming to Canada and then returning home as well in terms of mutual mutual recognition. So it's something that there has been, you know, we I've tried to push from here, uh, dealing with our colleagues in, uh, on the road safety side and on the licensing side in, in Ireland. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate that they're, they're very good colleagues and very committed to try to bring this forward. There are issues for them always in dealing with these things from, from afar with limited resources. But I think they have a strong sense now of the priority which we attach to trying to complete uh, the remaining provinces uh, in, in this regard. Um, there are a couple of particular provinces, I think, where it's a, where it's a, we, we hear it as a very strong priority, uh, British Columbia and Alberta, I think, in particular, obviously, with the distance and the number of, uh, of newer Irish community members there. Uh, the license in British 
Columbia was finally, the exchange was finally cleared and agreed a few months ago, thankfully, so that's in place now. And we're making progress on Alberta as well, and I'm hoping that uh, I've been talking to our stakeholders out there and to the, the driver licensed people, and we're hoping to, to bring that to fruition now in the coming months. I can't give a, a date for it yet because it's not within my control, but I can certainly, having been to Edmonton and having spoken to our people back at home, I can assure people that it's top priority for us here in the embassy and that uh, that our colleagues at home are working very hard on that with their upset numbers in Alberta. So we hope to have uh, we hope to have that concluded uh, in, in reasonably shortly as well. Ambassador, before we move to 2018 and what you're hoping to prioritise, did we leave anything out? <laughs> Almost certainly, Austin. <laughs> Let me think. I mean, just to say, maybe to say one or two more things about particular highlights, I suppose, just personal perspectives in uh, in, in 2017. Um, I mean, some of the things I've really must say found very rewarding and enjoyable for example is working with the very strong uh, seniors groups that we have in in Toronto and Ottawa that we're, we're very pleased to support to the Emigrant Support Programme but who are themselves wonderful uh, community groups who look after each other very well, who are very engaged, very involved uh, and I, I must say are really I think great examples of the kind of good work in the community that seniors groups can do and here in Canada would stand as examples for, for groups anywhere else. Um, another thing maybe to mention was just to twinning of Lewisburg and County Mayo uh, with Louisburg in uh, in Cape Breton, which was an extraordinary occasion as well. Uh, in September, I went up there for that, and uh, it was really uh, it was really an amazing weekend. There were people over from Lewisburg and in Mayo, uh, historians who had done the research that effectively linked the two towns. And I'm, I don't know how well known it is to your listeners. It wasn't to me till I was told about it. But Lewisburg and County Mayo is, it seems, according to the research, one of the very few places. In, uh, in Ireland or in Scotland, England or France that is named after a place in Canada rather than the other way around. So Lewisburg in County Mayo was a planned town uh, and the particular person who did the planning was a former soldier in Wolf's Army who had fought in Louisburg and named uh, Lewisburg for that. So a, an unusual example of reversal when one thinks of all the, the places here in Canada that are named after after places in Ireland or in England or, or Scotland. So that was a really interesting experience and a great, uh, if you like, a great piece of of um, kind of heritage communication, bringing people over from Mayo to see Cape Breton. Um, there were a number of lectures during the day on the history, uh, the links and the stories that went with that. And there's going to be a there's going to be a, a twinning, a reverse ceremony, if you like, in Lewisburg and County Mayo next June, which my good friend and colleague Kevin Vickers, uh, Canada's ambassador in Dublin, will be officiating at. So that was one of the more interesting uh, and you know thought-provoking. Uh, events I attended during the year and as well then so many film festivals, Irish film festivals, theatre festivals um, you know to see as I said to you before the kind of the great work that people do uh, in theatre groups and films and in dance and in the arts generally it's uh, it's so impressive at so many levels and then maybe uh, two other things to mention I had the great honour and privilege to um, to deliver the 12th annual St. Patrick's uh, Society lecture in Montreal in November um, which I found a most uh, enjoyable occasion to give a, a talk on, on which is kind of at the heart of I suppose a lot of what we talk about here you know the idea of Ireland as a global island in a in a changing world and what it is that's different about Ireland and the offering that we make to the world and the connections that we 
we have um, in countries like Canada that so many other countries don't have and what a you know what a, an important thing that is and what an advantage it is for us in building relationships and then finally um, we had the honour to have uh, General John de Chastelin who did such important and valuable work over so many years uh, in the Northern Ireland peace process uh, back with us in Ireland in December uh, to receive a Presidential Distinguished Service Award um, for his service to peace and reconciliation uh, in Ireland and I, I must say personally I was really delighted um, to see him receive that honour. I think uh, it's an honour that's so well merited. Um, I actually thought he might have already received it and it was only when I did the research I discovered that he hadn't and I know it was something that he valued greatly and he and his wife Marianne went back and they sat with the Taoiseach and the Taunish at that award ceremony and uh, the great work that he did um, work which we know has saved many lives on the island of Ireland over the years um, was properly recognised uh, by the President uh, in those awards. That was a very nice and very special occasion as well. When you mentioned Lewisburg it reminds me we forgot to mention Smith's Falls. Smith's Falls, exactly. See, I told you we'd leave something. Well, I told you we'd leave well, something. There's so else. much as I as I said at the beginning. Uh, you know, I don't. You you touch down occasionally to change your uh, to, to get new clothes and continue on. Yeah, you got to get your shirt. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No, thank you for thank you for reminding me. No, that was a wonderful uh, that was a wonderful occasion, Smith Falls. Yeah, at the at the end of June, and again a really important highlight of the of the 150. I mean, for those who don't know, there is this very important link between Smith Falls in Ontario uh, and Culloden in County Wicklow. And in essence, very many of the community on a landed estate in Culloden uh, came over and settled in Smith Falls uh, when those estates were were, were cleared in, in, in famine times. And there is a there is a huge and very deep bond between Smith Falls and between uh, Culloden and Carnew in County Wicklow. And a, a large number of people travelled over um, for the for the commemorative ceremony and stone in uh, in Smith Falls to mark the ties between the two and the twinning of uh, of Smith Falls with Carnew as well and it was my great honour and privilege to, to be there that evening uh, and to say a few words and our friend and colleague Ian Ash was instrumental in making that uh, that happen as well. So I mean that was a very good example at a village to village or town to town level I think uh, sort of a, you know, like a micro example of the, the depth of the historical ties and friendship between Ireland and Canada and, and when better than during the, the Canada 150 uh, to mark that occasion and to be part of that. So yeah, thank you for it. There'll, there'll be other things when we hang up that I remember as well Austin it was a it was a busy time and the tangible side of that of course is that an entourage from Smith's Falls is heading to Ireland this year Exactly, and this is the wonderful thing about these twinnings as well. They're not just, if you going back to what you were saying about the, the parades is a good analogy, they're not just about the ceremony and the day. They mark, if you like, the cementing of a relationship that will then give rise to further links in so many ways that will benefit both communities as well as celebrating the links that have existed historically between the two. So as you say, a, a delegation will go over from Smith's Falls now um, to, uh, to, to Carnew as well, and that relationship is now in place and there are, you know, people on both sides very committed to developing that further and that's, this is what we love to see and I mean Lewisburg is another great example of that and, and we'd love to see more of more of that as well as more of these stories come to the surface. Well I know it's going to be hard for you to top 2017 and in 2018 but what have you, 
What have you planned? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Be careful what you wish for, as they say, Austin. Yeah. No, it's um, yeah. So I mean, in essence, I say I'm just back from our heads of mission conference. We we like have our sort of global uh, global guidance and instructions uh, for the year to come. I mean, there are very many pro uh, priorities for us globally. Uh, in terms of here in Canada, some of them are more visible, I suppose, than others. I mean, Brexit remains a huge issue, and it's something that. I find myself spending quite a lot of time on here. Uh, I told you before about the background work and was involved in myself on it, but, but it's something that people are very interested in Canada in the Irish view of this, given our proximity uh, to the UK and given the huge direct interest that we have in, in, in what takes place there as well. So that's, that's something that I'll be continuing to talk about. I'm giving a, a talk on Friday uh, here in Ottawa on that, and I'll be continuing to do that because there's, apart from the, the interest that Canadians have in the Irish view, there are huge issues at stake. Uh, for us in Ireland uh, in terms of the border, in terms of the economic links with the UK. And, you know, we've seen an encouraging uh, agreement on the, so the first phase, uh, key withdrawal issues, if you like, in December. Um, and we're very happy with the, uh, we're very happy with what we, we, we got there in that agreement in terms of securing goals on maintenance of the common travel area, protection of the, the Good Friday Agreement, North-South cooperation, uh, and so forth. And on the border as well, that we have a, if you like, a stated commitment from the UK to keep in full alignment with the, the rules of the internal market, which support North-South cooperation and the Good Friday Agreement. Um, so, you know, we want to see those substantiated then in the withdrawal agreement, and then we want to move to discussions on the framework for a future uh, relationship between the UK and the EU, because, you know, for us in Ireland, that's a really important relationship too. It's a 65 billion euro uh, trade relationship which supports 200,000 jobs in Ireland. Uh, it's particularly significant in terms of uh, in terms of small and medium enterprises and the agriculture sector. So we want to see the closest possible uh, relationship there. Even though we'll be staying in the EU and the UK has decided to leave, we want to to see in in you know in terms that will benefit everybody a close relationship and the minimum the minimum barriers on the trade side between us all. Then sorry, just to move on maybe to a couple of other things. So just to give a little a little hint of what we have coming up. I mean in terms of twenty eighteen, the global footprint and the outworking of it, seeing the Vancouver Consulate open, seeing the IDA open in Toronto. So I think we'll all really add grist to the mill of what we're trying to do here. Um, there are other areas where we'll be keen to uh, to move forward as well. On the practical services side, and I just want to give a plug for this, we have introduced um, in 2017 a new online passport renewal scheme. So anyone renewing a passport who's over 18 can do it online. It's much quicker than going through the traditional paper route, and we want to encourage uh, communities to consider using the online route. I think once you find, once you've used it, and tell your friends. Um, they'll find it a much more effective way to quickly get turnaround on, on passports. So we've further improvements on the on the services side during the year. And in terms of what we've achieved so far in kind of building strategy, um, we have, I tell you, no less four uh, ministers visiting Ireland um, now in the end of March, Austin, so the shoe leather will be continuing to be well used. Um, we have two, I think, I, I say, uh, it's, it's a matter of public record for St. Patrick's Day, Dennis Nocton, uh, as you'll be aware, the, uh, the Climate Change Communications Environment Minister will be coming um, to Toronto, and Patrick O'Donovan who was with us actually here in Ottawa, as I said, last October, will be going to Montreal. And prior to that, earlier in March, we will have uh, Sean Kine, the Natural Resources Minister, will attend a big, giant PDAC mining conference in Toronto. 
um, there are some meetings uh, on the energy and exploration side, and we will also have, um, uh, which is something we're really looking forward to because a piece we didn't really get to in, in, in the attend last year, is an agriculture and food trade mission uh, with Culture Minister Michael Creek, which, will, uh, which plays at the end of February, beginning of March. So, um, so no reckoning Austin will be uh, will be continuing to you know to work to build on what uh, collectively, and it's very important to stress this collective efforts involving the embassy, the agencies, uh, the chambers, Irish community groups all over the country, honorary consuls, our friends back in Dublin and the Canadian Embassy and in the Ireland Canadian Business Association, and indeed all in the community who uh, who in different ways support it as a collective effort to try to, to build stronger relationships for the benefit of, uh, of Ireland and, and Canada alike. So we'll be working to try to uh, to not rest on our laurels and to build on what was, uh, what was achieved uh, in 2017 and to strike, as I say, while the iron is hot and with CETA uh, continuing to offer uh, opportunities there. Uh, one, one last issue, Ambassador. Is it likely that during 2018 that there will be a referendum in Ireland on extending voting privileges to the Irish diaspora for presidential elections? Now, I, yeah, I can't give a definitive answer to that because no decision has been made, as, as I understand, Austin. I, I mean, I think the intention is that there will be. I mean, you'll be aware that there's, there's planning for a, a referendum on the amendment dealing with abortion. Um, what isn't really clear to me from, from looking at it at the moment is whether other issues will be bundled in a kind of a number of referendums on one day or how that's going to be done. I can say that I know that it's something that the government, from just from talking to ministers who visited, something that they're very seized of. The decision, in principle, has been taken to have the referendum uh, and now I think it's a question of laying the groundwork obviously when, when you have a referendum the exact question and the outworking of a critical uh, you know so the base you have and it's one that's focused on the issues on something that is perhaps in terms of how you frame the question but the people involved in government will be very keen to assess exactly what it would mean how it would work before they put a referendum forward so I can't be definitive of in the last I saw I think it was the intention to do it in 2018 but there's no, um, there's no date uh, envisaged but it is a, a political commitment uh, by government to offer people uh, to offer people uh, you know, to offer the public a choice of whether uh, of whether voting in the, the franchise for the presidential election will be expanded uh, to Irish globally and we'll just, I guess, it's the other, it's the other question. Well, Ambassador, I've taken a lot of your time and I really appreciate it. It's been tremendously informative. But, uh, it's, as I said, you, you certainly... Uh, you'll have under your feet. <laughs> Which comes to me, so there's, <laughs> there's not too much danger of that. But, um, thanks to you, Austin, as well, for, you know, for your, your close engagement in the work that we do uh, and your support from the community as well. And all your listeners, you know, who are, I know so many of them are involved in different ways with what we do here. I just want to say, you know, we're very grateful in the embassy for the support that we receive from the community, without which we wouldn't be able to achieve much at all. And it's a, totally a team effort involving the, the community, you know, and all of the stakeholders involved as well. Um, we'd be nothing on our own. So I just want to say that and, and thank you very much indeed. And thank you.